The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Gambling. It's not the most prevalent of topics at the family barbecue, but the truth is, it can be quite fun. Picking a couple of friends to play some friendly wagers before a game can immediately raise the stakes and make your Sundays even more exhilarating. And that's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Football fans, you can even bet after kickoff. So if it looks like your bet is fading, just take the other side. If you like to bet a lot, try a parlay. You can multiply your winnings and brag to your friends as the money rolls in. But now is the best time to join because my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. You might notice a little echo from my end. I apologize. I'm moving this week, so uh, my studio is a little bit different than it normally would be. But don't worry. Rest assured, we're still going to have a great podcast because joining us is our editor-in-chief, the man who is constantly remodeling his home and having a (laughs) sour day due to the weather, Mr. Ali Cosell. What's up, man? I am in such a good mood. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) nice we've things also got Preston, Preston things are good it just said I wish that people would start stop talking about the whole fireless Alvin Gentry worried about this team's future picking on certain players you know we're four games in but we're gonna get to all this but man it's just too early for all this talk guys I apologize Deuce Wyndham wants us to fire Alvin Gentry so hard and we already came out and said we're not doing it spoiler alert uh let's go over to Mr. David Grubb host of Hard on the Pain and best friends to LeVar Ball what's up man Hey, what's happening? I had a great show today, so um, I always feel good about that. Got a lot of Pelicans questions on the show again. Everybody seems to know what to do to fix this team, um, but I am not <laughs> sharing a lot of these opinions. All right, you guys. Uh, get ready, Ollie. You're going to help me with this in a second. This is going to be our first live ad read for Manscaped. Uh, Manscaped, of course, <laughs> offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And let's just uh, share some personal antidotes uh ali it seems that's what they want from all of this is just to humiliate us as much as possible uh if if you're single you're out in the dating world of course you always feel more confident whenever your uh (laughs) your unit is in a good position uh smelling great feeling great that sort of thing uh so manscaping is gonna is gonna help you in this it's it's got uh, a trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 that's going to help you. It's not going to nick or snag your nuts. You want to keep those things safe. Uh, and if you are married and in a relationship and you you know want to be at your best whenever that opportunity arises itself, you you have to have Manscaped on hand so that you can always be at your best, always feel confident, and always smell your best. Isn't that right, Ollie? I am going to go with everything you said and just totally nod in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Grub? What do you do to keep yourself feeling and smelling fresh? Well, you know, I, I'm trying not to 
reveal too much personal information here, but yes, it <laughs> is important to keep the garden trip. It is important. You feel better. You know, there, there's there's some, com- I do agree that there's some confidence that comes that knowing you won't get snagged uh, down there. Yeah, and we all know if anybody lives in a community with an HOA, when you're driving down the neighborhood and you see that nicely trimmed lawn, you sort of nod your head and think to yourself, that's nice. And then you see the overgrown lawn and you think to yourself, why doesn't that person just take care of their lawn a little bit better? I'm doing my best here, folks. You can get 20% off plus free shipping if you use our promo code armchair. And obviously, we're going to get better at this as we go along. But I think this is Manscaped's intention is to make us feel as uncomfortable as possible. So this has been our first read. Remember, 20% off and free shipping. Use the discount code armchair at manscaped.com. All right, we're going to start with Grubb because I just have a feeling he's going to come in hot. He's coming off fresh off his radio show. The Pelicans are 0-4. This is our first podcast, uh, I think, since opening night against the Toronto Raptors. Just talk a bit about what you've been talking about on the radio today. Well, the big thing is I've been preaching patience. Uh, You know, people are very concerned about this 0-4 start. And really, you've only had one clunker of a game amongst the four. And... Before the season started, when we looked at the schedule, would you have thought coming into the, into the season, before you saw any preseason games, would you have thought that they'd beat Toronto on the road on opening night? Probably not. Would you think that they would beat um, Dallas? Yeah, that was probably, that's certainly a game where you figured they could pick up a win there. I'm just looking at Kevin Berrios's question uh, for for this podcast. Let's go over to Ali. Uh, Ali, Uh, As was our concern with the Pelicans last year, the Pelicans are very good offensively. They've improved their pace to sixth. They're sixth in effective field goal percentage, number one in made three-pointers. The uh, question all offseason was, how are we going to get enough shooting around Zion? That's evidently not been the problem. But what we always come back to, what we came back to last year, is defensively this team is ranked 29th right now. And in the clutch, they're still not performing well. Ali, why are we experiencing the same problem from last year? Well, it's not the exact same problem if you look at the context, right? Yeah, the defense is still lousy, but there's so much that's gone into it. First of all, you've had the roster, or I should say the rotation turnovers. You can't deal with that. We saw them get kind of in a groove, or starting to anyways, in a preseason, and of course they lost Zion. And then soon after that, you know, Derek Derek Favors has never looked good at the outset. And then Drew Hawley got off to a bad start, but it's not the bad start that I'm worried about. It's the fact that now he's out of the rotation as well. Um, when you lose three of your five starters pressing, your defense is going to suffer, especially when the guys behind them are just so inexperienced. I mean, Jackson Hayes is a perfect example. We saw the talent. We saw the energy. But one thing we didn't see, he had no idea what he was doing defensively. And so while not everybody is definitely not at that kind of level of where he's, he's just so lost, it's kind of when you're a five-man unit, though, and you guys really aren't used to one another, there's going to be breakdowns, and that's what's been happening. And, and of course, you also see it on the rebounding, right? The Pelicans, I'm, I'm more concerned about the fact that they're last in defensive rebounding percentage. Look, if we can't get a possession, and David's right, if we're constantly taking the ball out of the hoop uh, and, and trying to still you know, run the offense Gentry's preferred style, Lonzo's not going to shine. He's, he's not going to be able to perform like he wants. Our guys, the, the shooters on the perimeter, they're not going to be able to get as many of those open looks, especially within the first three, four, five seconds that we saw so much in preseason, right? So it, it's just been like a domino effect. But yeah, they've got to get it together defensively. They've got to get it together on the glass before they can even think about, you know, possibly getting a win or two. 
You know, we've got a lot of questions defensively. Uh, the first one is from the Dominator, and basically he's just asking for a timeline, David. Uh, right now, everybody's preaching patience, but just how long should we be willing to wait before this defense improves? Well, first, you have to have an, an entirely healthy lineup. I mean, until you have that, you can't gauge any of this. And then second of all, you have to look at the history of Jeff Bisdelli. You know, his first season with the Rockets, they were a terrible defense when he got there. They were 22nd. And by the end of the season, he had them middle of the pack. The second year, they were a top five defense. When he comes back last season, after they get off to that horrible start, he picks them up after Thanksgiving, and they end up with the second best defense in the league after the All-Star break. And you can't tell me that you, you, you had a Rockets team comprised of a bunch of all-NBA defenders. Outside of P.J. Tucker um, on that group and Clint Capella, who would you have said in that starting lineup for the Rockets um, was, was a peak defender? I mean, Chris Paul could do it for about 20 minutes a night, but it's going to take time for them to learn this system. And then on top of that, when you take away the interior, when you don't have guys on the inside who are natural rebounders, and that's not Jaleel Okafor. Um, we've seen Brandon Ingram really pick it up the last two games, but he's still not a physical presence under the rim. Jackson Hayes is not a physical presence under the rim. Uh, you, you, Belly is not a physical presence presence under the rim. So your defensive rebounding is going to suffer because you're sending your guards in to do all that dirty work. And I think that that's, you know, the Pelicans' problem. So until you see this group healthy, first and foremost, how can you judge what they're implementing defensively? Because the skill set, when you're missing – your lead dog on the perimeter at Drew Holiday, an all-league defender, when you're missing an interior defender like Derek Favors, who's been among the two or three best in the league over the last four years, and you're missing Zion Williamson, who is going to be able to guard multiple positions, um, both on the wing and in the uh, post, it's, it's yep. too incomplete to make a judgment. Yeah, to answer that question, it's, it's easy for me. It's once we see Derek Favors back and looking a lot more like himself that we saw in Utah. It's really that simple. Ali, uh, I'm posting something on Twitter right now that's going to make you laugh. Oh, guess who has the best uh, – guess which two players have the best offensive rating in the NBA right now? Okay, I'm just going to say uh, Brandon Ingram because I like Brandon Ingram. <laughs> <laughs> who the are answer, Anthony Davis. The answer actually is number one, Frank Jackson at 130.5. Number two, Nikhil Alexander-Walker at 127.2. Hmm. Well, that's good, right? Hey, you can have some positives. That statistic is flawed. I don't want to hear that, Grub. I don't want to hear that out of you. Uh, it's a perfect statistic, and it perfectly summarizes how this season has gone so far. Uh, Ali, obviously, everybody wants us to talk about the, the Fire Elven Gentry. Uh, I was just listening to... Um, I think it's called the mismatch and the rigor with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. Number one, everybody needs to remember that Alvin Gentry was David Griffin's head coach. So whenever you present this argument that he's not the guy that management wanted, he was a holdover from the previous regime, you have to also put into context that this guy has directly coached under David Griffin. And also he was one of the two candidates. Um, I'm trying to think of the other European coach's name. I want to say David Blaine, but that's not right. Uh, it's going well for me. But he was one of the two candidates who was a finalist for that Cavaliers job. So, Ali, talk about why David Alvin Blatt. Gentry is not in imminent danger. Thank you, David Blatt. Yeah, David Blatt. He's not in imminent danger because we're four games into the season. He has had to deal with so much. And we've, we've talked about ad nauseum. It's the injuries. It's the fact that he's got nine fresh faces sitting on that bench. 
it's it's the fact that a lot of them are what 22 and under 23 and under something like that and they have zero playing time together i mean it's just been a handful of minutes in practice and in the exhibition season but as we've mentioned seems like as soon as they get adjusted to one lineup then somebody leaves it right first zion and then drew and and now favor so it's unique continuity even from a game-to-game basis that helps and the pelicans haven't even had that look jaleel okafor love him to death he is not a starting center draymond green badly exposed him in that last game against the warriors they went right at him and they got to that great start both at the first quarter and the third quarter and then of course you look at jj reddick he's better suited as a six man right and we're seeing now kind of the flaws if he's not bringing the shooting he's not bringing you anything I mean, his passing right now has kind of gotten me scared. He's had about four or five turnovers in a couple of games to where it's just simply making a pass. And we know he's not going to bring anything much defensively. So there, there's just so many holes that have been created. Um, so is that a coach's fault? I mean, I don't see it, guys. I just really don't. You can't – I mean, I don't understand why it's always a standard. If the results aren't there, the easiest answer is always to look at the coach. And I, don't, I will never understand that for the life of me. Uh, let me actually hop in there before Grub gets in there. Uh, I posted some videos, I think two or three days ago. JJ Redick turned the ball over just as Ali was alluding to. On the very next possession, uh, he advanced the ball uh, past midcourt, and then he threw it backwards to Lonzo across midcourt, a clear backcourt violation. And I, I can't remember who we were playing at the time, but the team went uh, crazy on the sideline, and the, the ump just didn't see it because it's such an unusual call. It's so unusual to see it happen. But it was blatant. Like, you could see it as a viewer sitting at home. Uh, Grub, uh, let's let's address rebounding. Uh, a lot of questions in here. Obviously, Brandon Ingram's been getting a lot of time at the four. Uh, not, not a guy that you particularly or I don't know it's questionable whether you want him starting at the three or four uh he was obviously designed to start at the three with Zion at the four and favors at the five talk about what the Pelicans can do to improve on that end not much with this group I mean where are you going to convince guys to be who they are not the before has never been a great rebounder that was the big problem with him coming out of Duke is that you knew he was offensively skilled but he wasn't a natural rebounder We've seen Nicola Melli is not a natural rebounder. You don't have guys up front who are going to create that space, who are going to be able to box out other people. And that's the biggest thing. It's like, you know, your guards, they're going to get longer rebounds. When people are missing threes or, you, you know, you get bad shots, that's when, um, you know, Josh Hart gets his rebounds. That's when Lonzo gets his rebounds. Uh, but they don't have a space creator. There's nobody who can just open up some, you know, the rebounding. Uh, down low and until you get faith that that's why they were so dependent on favors and Williamson to be there and that was the one mistake that I thought they made in, in building this roster was not having more depth up front to do the rebounding so yeah I mean you're, you want to help the rebounding help they got to start with making the defense take more difficult shots because if you're making them take more difficult shots you're giving yourself a better chance but if people are constantly at the rim like they have been against the Pelicans the rebounds you get are, are, you know, in position for them to get the other teams to get offensive rebounds where they have. Other teams have killed the Pelicans on the offensive glass. So I, I don't think you can change the temperament of this team um, to, on the rebounding part. You just have to focus more on the defense. Preston, uh, let, let me jump in here real quick. I got something to add. Yeah, David's absolutely right. The Pelicans play more shots with five feet of the rim than any other uh, team in the league. It's about 43.8, I think, is what I saw earlier this morning. But there's one thing that I'm going to be looking for in the next couple of games, and the stats stood out to me when I looked back at the Golden State Warriors matchup. You guys look under the hustle stats. 
look at the box outs, the number of uh, box outs defensively, specifically. The Warriors had 26 defensive box outs on the Pelicans. You know how many the Pelicans had? 10. That, that, that's scary to me. I mean, that's basically somebody's really noticing. I don't know how, you know, how much we can trust the stats, but there's enough of a difference there and a disparity that makes you wonder, are we just not even putting bodies on guys that consistently? If that's the case, and that's a place they could start. But, again, it's just a number I noticed that I'm going to be looking for in the next couple of games. But, overall, David's right. The theme is we don't have solid rebounders up and down the regular rotation. That's a big problem. With Avers out and Zion out, that's a huge problem. But, like I said, it looks like they may be able to do just a little more. They guess Everybody's got to – it's got to be a gang rebounding type of mentality. And that really shows if the box outs aren't happening, that they're not doing it. Uh, apologize for the uh, for the audio. Grub is obviously in his car. I'm in the process of moving. Ali, you have no excuse for your audio, sir. I am incredibly disappointed. <laughs> I'm surrounded by three dogs locked in a room as they're delivering my wooden floors. I am angry right now. I can't get peace and quiet. <laughs> we're all going through a lot right now you guys and the 0-4 start isn't helping anything Ali you just went so I'm going to go ahead and pivot to David Grubb right now this is from Tom Hickson uh, possibly putting a bow on the season thus far outside of the Golden State game which was obviously an, an aberration and based on how Golden State had been playing up until that point they they tinkered with their lineup putting Draymond at the, free, at the five uh, rather than the four and they came out with a lot of urgency aside from that game Grubb are you encouraged with the team's overall play despite these four losses? Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't have a problem because the areas that we have the biggest concern, number one, was the shooting. And they've shot the ball for the most part um, very well from outside. Uh, the second part is, again, my expectations of the opening part of the schedule were that even if they were fully healthy, that they would struggle through the four, first four games to get wins. And then I look around the rest of the league, and you see teams like Brooklyn, that's one and two, a playoff team from last year. You look at the Warriors, who are one and two. You look at the Pacers, that are 0 and 3. A lot of the teams that made substantive changes over the offseason are struggling to get out of the gate. And the Pelicans made more changes than anybody um, in, in the fundamental composition of their starting lineup and their roster as, as a whole. So considering the injuries and considering all, all of the just the change, for them to basically Outside of that Warriors blowout, they're probably what their point differential would be somewhere around four over the first three games. I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think that you've seen what they can be at times, and I think you the problems that we see, the, the failures, are not to be unexpected at this moment. So yeah, I'm I'm good with the progress. I feel better about zero and four than I did about four and zero last year. Ali, we've got a lot of similar questions to this, so I'm just going to get in one foul swoop. Have your expectations for this season changed? And if so or if not, what are they? They've only slightly decreased. I was talking about this with David, actually, on his radio show the other day, where I mentioned that I had picked the Pelicans to go 8-12 and 12 in their opening 12 games, or 20 games, excuse me. And yet, I think now i got to even take a step back from that, considering all the injuries, just like everybody should, and especially with their overall expectations. You know, when, before training camp, I had a feeling that they would be right around that Las Vegas number, 39-40 wins, right? I upped it by two because I actually saw enough in preseason to make me think they're going to present a lot of problems for teams because the three-point shooting is better and Zion can have a bigger immediate impact. Well, we've lost Zion and the defense has failed to completely come together. And I'm not certain it ever will, or at least until Derek Favors gets healthy. But that's a huge if. I mean, we don't even know what he's dealing with. I asked Alvin yesterday. 
could he clarify on what uh, Derek Favors is actually going through right now? He said he couldn't. Then I asked him a follow-up question. Was it a different injury than the, the hamstring injury we were told about at the start of training camp? Again, he couldn't give me any further information. I mean, that, that, that kind of scares me, right? He, he can't even tell me what Derek Favors is going through. So is it something that they're not trying to tell us? You know, maybe this is a worrisome thing. Maybe he's still being evaluated. Um, either way, he hasn't looked good ever since, like I said, the first time I laid eyes on him. And that's been well over a month ago now since training camp started. So I don't know. I think he's going to need either extended rest or, or scary to say, maybe surgery. And if that's the case, Pelicans defense, I feel like is never going to be able to live up to what everybody had expected them to. Because you need, you guys, you need that big stalwart, big man in the middle, in the paint, giving help, protecting the rim and grabbing rebounds. Behind him, you don't have anybody. You have Zion's talents, but he he doesn't know the nuances yet enough to fill those shoes. So I'm scared that those expectations, any kind of playoff hopes, I think, I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I don't see them having those anymore, right? I think the max ceiling for this team, and this is if Zion comes back, right, in, in another four or five weeks or whatever, and Drew Holiday doesn't have any more further issues, that they're not going to win probably more than half their games this year. So 41 is the absolute bar, I'm thinking now. If, All right, if bro. I can real quick, yeah. yeah I, what he's talking about with favors too, this, the, the big importance with favors is what we see with the Pelicans is a lack of communication. Guys getting lost in switches, guys covering the wrong man. When you don't have Holiday and Favors out there, that's precisely during the, the when they were uh, when Favors came on, they talked about his communication on the back end. And so when you have a Jalil Okafor at center, or you have you know whoever, sometimes we saw Kenrich Williams play at center, if you're mm-hmm. going to play those groups, those guys can't communicate and guide a defense. So you're missing basically the middle linebackers, the signal callers of your defense with a bunch of guys who are inexperienced. The only, you know, top-notch defender on that starting unit is Lonzo, and you think, and we think Josh Hart can be a plus defender, but again, if you've got three guys, if the rest of those guys are, don't speak to each other, that's such a big part of this, and that takes time. Sorry, responding to some questions on the bird rights right now. I'm kind of overwhelmed. There's uh, well over 30 questions. So thank you all so much. I'm sorry that I'm not able to get all of your names. I, I typically like doing that, but I'm a bit overwhelmed at how many questions there are right now. Uh, Ali, we're going to go to this one. Uh, there was a video breakdown of a Pelicans out of um, a timeout elevator uh, double screen for J.J. Redick. It's just something that Alvin Gentry typically likes to do to get his shooters uh, an open shot, an open possession. Uh, I think it was near the end of one of the games. I can't recall. But what else can the Pelicans do to get J.J. Redick going? Aside from, I want to say, opening night against the Raptors, he really hasn't been a, a pivotal part of the team offensively. Uh, he's still shooting pretty well, but we just need more from him. How can the Pelicans do that, Ollie? Overall, you're not going to worry about one of the best shooters over the last decade, right? He's, he's going to get it going himself. He knows what he needs to do and where he's going to be able to find his shots. The thing is going to be for the team to give him that, that edge, right, where they have to specifically look for him in his preferred spot. So that responsibly falls on, of course, the ball handlers, whether that's Lonzo, um, Drew when he comes back, Brandon Ingram. You've got to hit the guy where he's going to be able to get on a roll. I feel like that's how you can get a shooter best going. J.J. Redick is not one of the guys that you would tell, hey, get to the rim, score there first, or get yourself to the free throw line. No, he's not one of those guys. So it's going to have to come on, whatever, like I said, whatever spots he prefers. But overall, I'm not worried there. He, he's going to get it going, guys. I mean, he's he's been, what, this is 13th year 
um, in, in, the, in the league. And he's, like I said, known as one of the best shooters that we probably actually ever even seen, right, during our generation. So he'll be fine. Uh, I'm going to cover this one quickly. It's from Tony Ramos. Um, if the Pelicans are out of the playoff race come deadline, do you see players like Derek Favors and J.J. Redick getting moved? I'm going to say no because Griffin is typically a very loyal guy. If these guys asked out, if they wanted to join a contender, I'm sure he would facilitate that. But in order for the Pelicans to get anything meaningful in return at that point from a contender like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Bucks or what have you, they're either going to offload salary uh, and – and then the Pelicans would get a first-round pick in order to take that in. Or if they have an exception of some kind or another expiring contract that the Pelicans don't necessarily want, but it facilitates what those players want, then they probably might get a couple of second-round picks. The point is, you're not going to offload somebody like Derek Favors, who's got 25 games left under his contract, and get something substantial in return unless you're taking back negative net salary, I would think. And that's if Derek Favors asks out of town. So at right now, I wouldn't think it would be likely. Of course, those things could change if the Pelicans continue to struggle. Um, let's bounce around. Let's talk about lineups. A lot of questions about lineup scrub. Obviously, we've we've talked that nauseam about. There's only so much that we can do at this point. But if there was something that you could change in the rotations right now to help facilitate this team perform a bit better, what would you do? It seems we may have lost Grub. He's muted himself. And Ollie's muted himself. <laughs> so no, no, I, I guess... didn't mute myself. I okay. wonder if David accidentally got muted too. Uh, let's see. And he's, and he's talking right now. Yeah. Can somebody unmute me? Yeah, I just unmuted you. Go ahead. <laughs> this, is, this is great podcast radio right now. Go ahead, Grub. I know. We're just killing it today. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to see J.J. Redick in the starting lineup because I think, you know, defensively they have to get off to better starts. And with mm-hmm. Redick on the floor, it just it affects them too much. I actually would like to see in the short term um, giving Nikhil Alexander-Walker a start alongside Lonzo. I'd like to see what that looks like um, to see if, if one can put a little more pressure on the ball going to the rim uh, offensively. And you still have Hart available as a shooter at the three while we're waiting for the rest of these guys to, to heal up. Uh, and I think that also changes the game for Ingram early so that you don't have to worry as much about him um, not finding those opportunities uh, in transition and moving with the basketball where he has to dribble and create for others um, to give two ball handlers, uh, you know, an opportunity out early. Because I think that was the goal when you placed Drew with Lonzo is to have both guys be able to facilitate, to have both guys be able to defend. And I think they've lost that uh, with the grouping that they have now. Uh, So I'd like to see that at center, I think for the short term, I may even, it's just like there's no solution right now that's a good one. You still kind of have to have a nominal center out there to start games, but I certainly don't feel comfortable starting Jackson Hayes, and I certainly don't feel comfortable starting Nicola Melli. So I don't know if that in the short term the Pelicans need to make uh, some type of move to get somebody bigger, but the main thing that I'd like to see is is giving Alexander Walker um, that opportunity to log Lonzo just to see what they can do together, both on both ends. Ali, I'm going to let you jump in here. Uh, I'm going to make a push for Kenrich Williams, just because I think the Pelicans just need his energy. They just need to start better defensively. We've seen how proficient they can be in scoring in first quarters. And typically, uh, by virtue of TeamRankings.com, the Pelicans have been performing really well in first quarters. So regardless of what you do with this starting lineup, they've been coming out hot. It's the second quarter, really, where they've been getting hammered. Um, Ali, how would you adjust the starting lineup or the rotation in general? I don't mind the Kenrich Williams idea because they got to get 
to better or stronger efforts both defensively and on the glass from the start of the game because that does set a tone. And I think it'll snowball if they don't address that. But I honestly expect Drew Holiday probably to be back for the Denver Nuggets game. So if he's back, it's going to be Lonzo Drew. Instead of Redick, I would prefer Josh Hart. He can give you the rebounding, but he can also provide that floor spacing. So I would go with him at the three. And, of course, B.I. at the four. And then, man, I wish it was favors at the five. But I guess they got to roll with Okafor until, you know, they can come up with something better. Grub, I've been really quiet in my Etuan Moore affection for all the obvious reasons to start this season. However, we do have a question on Etuan Moore. Uh, obviously, he's the sixth best uh, shooter in the NBA last year. Started really hot. Struggled uh, at the outset of the first two games this season. Did not look good. And you've got a deep uh, backcourt. So there really aren't that many minutes to go uh, to go around. But with Drew Holiday being out, are you surprised that Etuan Moore can't get any run? More so than the reason that... that you obviously need to develop these young players like Frank Jackson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but if each one more isn't a part of your plan, you need to put him on the floor just so you can trade him. Well, shooting is shooting, and I, I don't think his value goes up or down whether or not he's playing right now. Um, you know, he's not. you're not getting a first-round pickback for each one more. So a team that wants shooting is going to give you what they're going to give you, and the Pelicans don't want a bunch of players back at this point either. So I think if they do ship more, it's simply to create that space um, for salary. You know, you maybe take back a couple seconds or something like that. But I don't think it increases his value to play him. Uh, and it certainly doesn't improve your defense. And it certainly doesn't improve, improve your ball handling or your playmaking. And you have guys who can duplicate what he does uh, for the most part offensively. Because shooting, again, has not been a problem for this team. So it's just... I thought coming into the season that Etuan's skills were redundant with this group. I understood why they held on to the contract, but I just didn't see him as the guy who was going to, to, to hold on to his minutes. I think we all identified him, and Frank Jackson, as the two biggest targets to lose minutes, and Frank has been the one who fought and, and has gotten them. So I, I just think there's no place really for Etuan anymore on this roster, not to, pun not intended. But it's just uh, it, it, it's a numbers game, and he, and he loses at this. And one other thing that I mentioned, Ali, uh, is that Etuan Moore's primary skill really is null and void at this point with the Pelicans because, as I mentioned earlier, the Pelicans are number one in the NBA in three-pointers made, number two in attempts, and they're sixth in overall efficiency. They've got six players that are shooting above league average, so they've got a lot of great shooting right now. Uh, Ali, we're going to get this question, then we might wrap up uh, because we've been going for about half an hour now. But Lonzo Ball, obviously, I wrote an article about how he needs to take more ownership of the offense, why the Pelicans should give him more ownership of the offense. But eventually, Ali, it's just up to him. Uh, he really hasn't been pressuring the paint that much. He's been content to move the ball and to take, uh, I think, 7.3 three-pointers a game, something like that. But he's leading the team in three-point attempts right now. And that's a good sign. His, his stroke looks a lot better. But eventually, we need him to crash the glass, to get into the paint, to break down the defense. Ali, why hasn't he been doing that? Well, that goes back to having confidence issues, which stem from first entering the league, right? He came in and he found no success anywhere in the court. Uh, his jumper was off. He got, you know, hounded for having such poor form. He couldn't finish in the rim. And worst of all, he couldn't make a daggone free throw, right? Shooting under 50% his first two seasons. So, of course, that's going to affect the player's confidence to where, hey, I'm just not going to look to shoot that much unless I'm like wide, wide open or something. So I actually give him credit for the fact that he is firing up shots, uh, at least from three-point range. That's a step. That's a step. He's got to establish some kind of confidence somewhere. 
And I agree. It is problematic, especially for an Alvin Gentry-style offense, just any fast offense, that your lead guard has an issue of breaking down his man and making something happen off the dribble, especially when driving to uh, inside the paint, right? So that, that's got to change over time. But as Davis mentioned, you can kind of adjust for that. You know, Jason Kidd was, especially later in his career, he didn't do that. They utilized him more off the ball. If there was nothing in that initial transition break where he could find somebody for an easy assist, easy two points or three, then he would become basically a spot-up shooter. You know, so not everybody needs to be a Steve Nash to be successful. But again, we all, and I think the coaching staff and everybody around the league anticipates for Lonzo to have, you know, develop that strength. That's got to become a part of his game. So I just think you got to give it time. But this is one thing that I got to make a point of. There's some people that have really been harping about Lonzo Ball's um, lack of drives, right? That this is some kind of big, one of like the top three problems say that that's not it guys. It's a defense and a rebounding on an individual basis. He's just got to improve uh, his skill set on his own. And we always knew this was going to be a developmental year for Brandon Ingram. Boy, he's coming out of the gates really quick and really fast and looking like an all-star. It's been just the opposite for Lonzo in certain areas, but I'm not depressed about it. He's got to work on it. The coaching staff, I'm sure recognizes it. I just wouldn't be too hard on him about it for right now. I get so annoyed whenever I post an interesting statistic and then one of the Pelicans handle post the exact same thing as if they uncovered it get on their own. Get used to it. Get used to it. Uh, <laughs> I am. And, you, know, you know, on Lonzo, it's just, yeah, I think people expected him to come in and be a breakdown dribbler, and that's never who he's been. He is much more, and that's why the defense has really hurt him, because he's the guy who gets the ball ahead. And he and Zion, the things that they were able to do mm-hmm. were throwing the ball ahead and creating mismatches that way because then you didn't have the defense set. We talked about that eight seconds, getting in that transition early or getting there before the defense is set. And a lot like Jason Kidd, yeah, it's it's about I, maybe you want to see the Pelicans institute more pick and rolls, but they don't have guys who can screen out there. You don't have anybody with the physicality. And that's what you saw between Zion and Lonzo, their rapport in running the pick and roll for each other and getting backdoor lobs for Lonzo, getting him dunks. And then for Zion, Zion was the best off-ball cutter that the Pelicans had as well. And how many shots did you find for Zion with Lonzo going, just taking one or two steps inside the line off the dribble and then finding Zion on a cut? So I think that those types of things can help him in the half court, running a little more screen and roll, but who's going to be that screen that you know the screen guy and roll towards the basket for him? And we saw again JJ Redick benefited from that because if Lonzo got those two steps to his left, he could swing it backwards with proficiency to get guys who were on the move or open shots. So I think those are ways you can help him. But he's never going to be a guy who stands in front of his defensive player and does Kyrie Irving type moves and finishes at the basket with a flourish. You want to see him convert his layups, which he still struggles with. You want to see him get some opportunities off the off the ball, moving towards the rim as a screen, uh, um, as a as a um, as a guy who flashes towards the paint. But I don't think you're ever going to see him just be a guy who drives into the basket with with abandon. All right, Ali. We'll ask this last one, then we'll get out on this. Uh, people got their first regular season sample size of Jackson Hayes. Uh, a lot to be really positive about. 19 points. However, uh, a lot of uh, just lapses in awareness on the defensive end, which is perfectly natural for a front court player in his first uh, regular season action. What were your overall takeaways from Jackson Hayes' first real game? I loved it. I really did. I loved it. If you grade him by the way you should with a certain set of parameters and expectations, 
he shined. Um, you saw how he was able to utilize his energy, his athleticism, into, honestly, had the Pelicans not trailed by, as much, they could have actually made a run at the Warriors and made things interesting because he was getting a lot of easy scores. He was drawing the defense, and they still weren't able to stop him at the rim. You know, there was a countless number of lobs, uh, offensive rebounds, whatever he was doing, he was getting those points and easy. He only missed, what was it, two shots. But, of course, as we know, it's his defense, right? That That is problematic and there's a simple reason for that and david and i talk about all the time he has played competitively one year in high school one year in college that's it can you imagine doing something on a professional level level with just two years of experience and probably a combined what 60 games without the requisite coaching along those lines too i mean it's not nba coaching that he was getting at molar high school right so he's got his his learning curve is so steep but i, I i'm confident he's going to get there so the fact that you know, he's got that holding, holding him back. The fact he was still able to, like I said, actually wow you with his talent and show and make some good defensive plays. Remember that block of Steph Curry? You see what he can become. And that's that's the only thing you should take away from his performance. All right, you guys. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Of course, if you like us, you know what you can do. Just share this with your friends. Apology uh, for the audio again today. But uh, again, I'm moving and Grub's on his way to an important meeting. So we appreciate all of your patience with that. We tried to get to every single question. Uh, Grub, tell them a bit, a bit about yourself. 1280 a.m., 8 to 10 a.m. Uh, Central Time. That's hard in the paint on 1280 a.m. What you got coming up this week? Well, uh, tomorrow is... Thursday, so we always have our uh, gambling segment with Trevor Ritchie, who we all know and love. And I have my um, uh, weekly tweets of the week and sports and pop culture segment. And I'm going to obviously preview uh, the Pelicans game uh, for tomorrow night. So against the Nuggets, who just lost the game to the Dallas Mavericks. So again, the NBA is crazy, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, folks, I, I you know, if you want to tune in, you're going to hear more basketball talk on my show locally than anybody else. Um, and it's on the iHeartRadio app as well, so you can get the podcast there. And my website, HITPwithDG.com. So um, working on plenty, uh, trying to always give folks the best kind of guests that we can get and to keep basketball at the forefront. All right, you can follow him on Twitter at DMGrub. And, of course, we have our editor-in-chief, Ali Cosell. You can follow him at his name. Uh, Ali, what are you up to this week, sir? Um, hopefully getting to talk about a Pelicans win or at least some kind of positive because they're trending negatively. And of course, fans have seized upon that. And that's why we're answering Alvin Gentry questions. And we're not even in November yet. So I, I just want to see the team perform better. I want them to prove that that performance against the uh, Warriors was an aberration so that we can get back to talking about, you know, that it's going to take time, but that there's, you know, we see the trends and the efforts and hopefully we can write about that stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our preseason expectations were changed a little bit by some of the offseason noise. We're going to beat people's asses. Drew Holiday needs time to dominate. But uh, at the end of the day, this is a developmental phase. We all just need to be patient. And like our friend from Blazers Edge, David McKay, just uh, told us with Jeff Bezelik uh, specifically that his changes will take time to implement. By early December, we should be seeing the uh, the benefits of uh, his expertise on the defensive end. So again, it's just about preaching patience. And I know that's a direct 180 from what we were preaching just two weeks ago. But with everything that's happening, uh, it, it just appears that's what this season is going to call for yet again. We apologize for that because we know that we as a fan base have been more uh, patient than most. What were you saying, Grum? Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, let's let's look at it. We talk about perspective. Where were the Brooklyn Nets three years ago? 
Where were they? Where were the yes. Nuggets three, four years ago in their development? Where were the Jazz four years ago? You know, these were teams that were not in the playoffs. And now we're talking about these teams as potential finals contenders. It takes a minute when you have these young players that you're trying to develop. So that's what we just have to keep that perspective that, that you can't microwave success no matter how talented guys are. It takes time. And so that's a, you just want to preach that patience. We want to evaluate the trees, and each game is its own tree. But at the same time, you cannot lose sight of that forest. Yeah. All right, you guys. Great stuff. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm just like Preston, still That's a big groan, buddy. You don't groan. Come on now. Yeah. I know. I'm still, I'm just still uh, bitter uh, over this, this Pelicans thing. Like we, we want to help each other guys. You know, if you just want to hit that retweet button, uh, then we'd be happy to return the favor. I'd be more than happy to return the favor. But it, when it looks like we're like biometrically opposed to one another, then it makes it harder and harder to hit that button. Uh, but you guys don't care about that. That's uh, just squabbling. Uh, Why don't they like do off- well, <laughs> yeah, Why don't they like us? I know we try so hard to pump up this team and it feels like we're, we're meeting more and more brick walls this season than ever before. When I think we're, we're doing more positive work than ever before. Um, but anyway, that's something that I can complain Preston, about. We got to spread the blue chew around. I think buddy. Uh, blue chew is actually not sponsoring us because. Oh we, my God. I will shut up right now. Then I know we're, we're going over to manscape. Now we're going to see if we can do a little bit better with them. I guess not, not everybody that listens to us was interested in buying into blue chew. So hopefully they will be a bit more interested in manscape. Then of course, thank you to our friends, my bookie. We're still going strong with them. So apparently everybody's really into gambling. So that's a good thing, uh, for you guys. <laughs> I've been groaning on for far too long now. Thank you for tuning in. Please spread the word. We really appreciate all of your help. And uh, yeah, let's dance whenever Zion gets back and let's go Pels. For listening to the bird calls on the Armchair All American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.